Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, asking for your help during this Lenten and Easter season. Support from our listeners is vital and allows us to bring you and many others high-quality spiritual programs like the one you are listening to now. It also assists us in our outreach to areas around the globe, touching literally millions of souls via the World Wide Web. Our highly rated free Discerning Hearts app allows you to access over a thousand audio files as well as video content now available on our expanding YouTube channel. We've been able to offer online spiritual seminar retreats with Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essef, and Deacon James Keating. The heart of our mission is to help foster authentic spiritual formation for the seeking soul so they can fully encounter the living Christ and share in his mission of healing hearts and spreading the good news to the world. Please, won't you help us to continue this important work of evangelization by donating today to DiscerningHearts.com. Part 3, Chapter 14 of The Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Corey Webb. Chapter 14 on poverty of spirit amid riches. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And if so, woe be the rich in spirit, for theirs must be the bitterness of hell. By rich in spirit I mean him whose riches engross his mind, or whose mind is buried in his riches. He is poor in spirit whose heart is not filled with the love of riches, whose mind is not set upon them. The halcyon builds its nest like a ball, and leaving but one little aperture in the upper part, launches it on the sea, so secure and impenetrable, that the waves carry it along without any water getting in, and it floats on the sea, superior, so to say, to the waves. And this, my child, is what your heart should be, open only to heaven, impenetrable to riches and earthly treasures. If you have them, keep your heart from attaching itself to them, let it maintain a higher level, and amidst riches be as though you had none, superior to them. Do not let that mind, which is the likeness of God, cleave to mere earthly goods, yet it always be raised above them, not sunk in them. There is wide difference between having poison and being poisoned. All apothecaries have poisons ready for special uses, but they are not consequently poisoned, because the poison is only in their shop, not in themselves. And so you may possess riches without being poisoned by them, so long as they are in your house or purse only, and not in your heart. It is the Christian's privilege to be rich in material things, and poor in attachment to them. Therefore, having the use of riches in this world and the merit of poverty in the next. Of a truth, my daughter, no one will ever own themselves to be avaricious. Everyone denies this contemptible vice. Men excuse themselves on the plea of providing for their children, or plead the duty of prudent forethought. They never have too much, there is always some good reason for accumulating more, and even the most avaricious of men not only do not own to being such, but sincerely believe that they are not, and that because avarice is a strong fever which is all the less felt as it rages most fiercely. Moses saw that sacred fire which burned the bush without consuming it, but the profane fire of avarice acts precisely the other way. It consumes the miser, but without burning, for amid its most intense heat, he believes himself to be deliciously cool and imagines his insatiable thirst to be merely natural and right. If you long earnestly, anxiously, and persistently after what you do not possess, it is all very well to say that you do not wish to get it unfairly, but you are all the time guilty of avarice. He who longs eagerly and anxiously to drink, though it may be water only, thereby indicates that he is feverish. 
I hardly think we can say that it is lawful to wish lawfully to possess that which is another's. So doing, we surely wish our own gain at the expense of the other. And he who possesses anything lawfully surely has more right to possess it than we to obtain it. Why should we desire that which is his? Even were the wish lawful, it is not charitable, for we should not like other men to desire what we possess, however lawfully. This was Ahab's sin when he sought to acquire Naboth's vineyard by lawful purchase. When Naboth lawfully desired to keep it himself, he coveted it eagerly, continually and anxiously, and so doing he displeased God. Do not allow yourself to wish for that which is your neighbor's until he wishes to part with it. Then his wish will altogether justify yours. And I am quite willing that you should add to your means and possessions, provided it be not merely with strict justice, but kindly and charitably done. If you cleave closely to your possessions and are cumbered with them, setting your heart and thoughts upon them and restlessly anxious, lest you should suffer loss, then, believe me, you are still somewhat feverish. For fever patients drink the water we give them with an eagerness and satisfaction not common to those who are well. It is not possible to take great pleasure in anything without becoming attached to it. If you lose property and find yourself grievously afflicted at the loss, you may be sure that you were warmly attached to it. There is no surer proof of affection for the thing lost than our sorrow at its loss. Therefore, do not fix your longings on anything which you do not possess. Do not let your heart rest in that which you have. Do not grieve overmuch at the losses which may happen to you. And then you may reasonably believe that although rich in fact, you are not so in affection, but that you are poor in spirit, and therefore blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is yours.